I reinvent myself every day, every day. I mean, every day, every year, everything, you have to. So for me, this whole thing is a practice. I can't live any other way. Many days I wake up today, now, in this time, and I feel like a total loser. Everybody feels like a loser, but then you just go on with it, you know? And that's why I say the most important relationship in life is the relationship you have with yourself. Once you have that, any other relationship is a plus and not a must. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Hey everyone, we are so excited for you to listen to this episode. Before we dive in, we should note DBF is a fashion icon, and you might hear the mic picking up her bracelets and some other jewelry throughout this episode. It is safe to say she is still a fashion icon, even during work from home. Okay, let's get into it. Our guest today is the one and only Dion von Furstenberg. She is a legendary fashion designer who became a force in the industry after she created the iconic wrap dress in the 1970s. Decades later, she's remained a leader in global fashion, having led the Council of Fashion Designers of America for 13 years. And she's inspired and empowered women around the world with her books, podcasts, and philanthropic work. Her newest book, Own It, The Secret to Life, is on sale now. Dion, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Skimmed from the Couch. Hello, how nice to be there. I'm going to jump in because obviously you are someone who's been in the public eye for so long now, but what is something that we can't Google about you? Oh, oh, I have no idea. You know, very early on, I realized that it's better to always say the truth. And it also is better, like when you negotiate or you're trying to get a job, I always thought that if you know that the person that you're talking to may have reservation about something about you, I always think it's the best advice to bring it up yourself. So I don't know that there is anything about me that you could not find on the internet because I've always been quite vocal about everything. All right, I'll take that. You have a remarkable story that is quite legendary at this point. And I want to take it back to the beginning, which you can't talk about you without talking about your mom. I want to hear a little bit about her and and what she taught you. Well, talking about anyone's mother is always very insightful for everyone and for everyone's personality. But the story of my mother is probably even more poignant and much more dramatic. At age 22, my mother was in occupied Belgium and she was doing resistance work. She got caught, she got shipped to Germany, she went to concentration camp, she went to Auschwitz, Birkenau, and then as they were losing the war, she was pushed into another camp, Ravensbrück, and then another one. So for 13 months, she was a prisoner of war in the absolutely worst condition. She was a slave laborer. 
but she did survive. And when she survived, she weighed four to nine pounds, which is less than her bones are supposed to weigh. But she did survive. She was shipped back to Belgium. Her parents could not believe that she was there existing. And her, her mother fed her a little bit of food every 10 minutes. And my mother used to say that she, she could feel that she was blowing up like a balloon. Six months after her liberation, she was almost normal. And her fiancé, who had been hiding in Switzerland, came back. They got married, and the doctor told them, listen, it's okay to get married, but you absolutely cannot have children. Because if you are pregnant, you will not survive, and the chances are your child will not be normal. Well, sure enough, nine months later, I was born. My mother was a miracle. Her survival was a miracle. My birth was a miracle. So I already had won the big prize just being born, you know. But my mother was very strict. She would never allow me to be afraid. She never wanted me to be a victim. I could not complain. I could not blame. I could not shame. You know, I, I really had to be responsible for myself. And for example, she always said, fear is not an option. So if I was afraid of the dark, she'd put me in the dark closet. The chances are today she would get arrested. But as a result, she made me, you know, fearless. So yes, that's, that's what I was born from. And a lot of my character and a lot of the person that I became, I realized much later was a result of where I had been born. You talk about fear is not an option. And obviously, as you said, your mom and therefore you are a complete miracle for overcoming fear against every odds in, in the entire world that could be against her. But when you think about it, I mean, I'm going to look at this through a purely professional lens. Fear is not an option in the workplace. How did fear not as an option play out as your career became what it is? I mean, everyone naturally has moments of fear. I think the word fear is, I mean, you have moments of hesitation. Will I fail? Will I succeed? But I think the word fear is something that you should take away and you should put it in the basket, in a in waste paper basket, because if you don't deal with that, you're already ahead of the game. Like when people ask me, what did you want to do when you were growing up? And then I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew the kind of woman I wanted to be. I wanted to be a woman in charge. And I was lucky. I became a woman in charge through a little dress. And at 28, I basically became the woman I wanted to be. So, I mean, being in charge for me is a way to live. I mean, it's not a matter of career. Being in charge is a commitment to ourselves. It's owning who we are. It's owning our imperfection and realizing they become our asset. The movement, your movement to be in charge became that much more interesting after you got married because you didn't just get married. You married a prince, which most people don't just marry a prince. And you had to fight that much harder to show people that like you were still going to be in charge of your own destiny. My mother used to say I was lazy, but at age 22, I stopped being lazy. And I got pregnant. I got married. I went, I moved to America. I started a business. I had two children. I really had no time to worry about what was ahead of me. I just, I just went on. I just went in. 
And I had a husband who was very supportive. He wanted me to succeed. He introduced me to a lot of people. But at the end, it was me. I mean, there are thousands of difficulties, of obstacles on a daily basis, but you just deal with it, you know? You just deal with it. So, yes, I did marry a prince, but I didn't really use my name of princess very much. And what I really wanted to be is to be an independent woman, a woman in charge. And I was lucky because I became that woman because of a little dress. The wrap dress became synonymous with the independent woman, like living her life. And I have to tell you, as a a side note, my first summer getting a paycheck, I went to the outlets and I got my, my wrap dress because I was like, I need to have one to be, to be a working woman. Was it lucky? I think so. I ended up here. What is it like to have your name front and center of, of a company, of a movement, of something that became so much bigger than you as an individual? I didn't even think of it. You know, when I made my first dresses, I registered a company and it, it happened without me thinking about it. I wrote my name and that became my label. That became the name of my company. But what I remember more clearly is how frontally I was. It, for me, it's always the woman first, you know. So as I became the woman in charge because of a little dress, I was more and more confident. And I was selling that confidence to other women while I was traveling, wrapping them in fitting rooms and so on. So I, from the beginning, and it's really probably by accident, like I had no money to have a model, so I used to model. So I was very much the woman I designed for. So I was extremely frontal in everything. I was sharing my experience, sharing my insecurities, and that's how I kind of grabbed the whole thing. Everything goes back to this book. This book is called Own It, The Secret to Life, because Own It works for everything. You own your imperfection, they become your asset. You own your vulnerability, it becomes your strength. So I owned who I was, you know, by talking the truth and by explaining what I was going through, the good, the bad. And then that's when I realized that to show your vulnerability is a sign of strength. When you're in those moments of stress or criticism or challenges, whatever those might be, it's sometimes very hard to see it through the lens that you just reflected on. When you look back at all of the things that you've been through and how you've reinvented yourself and the brand many times, what has been the hardest moment in that? I reinvent myself every day, every day. I mean, every day, every year, everything, you have to. So for me, this whole thing is a practice. I can't live any other way. Many days I wake up today, now, at this time, and I feel like a total loser. You know, only losers don't feel like losers. Everybody feels like a loser, but then you just go on with it, you know? And that's why I say the most important relationship in life is the relationship you have with yourself. Once you have that, any other relationship is a plus and not a must. And therefore, you need to be alone. You need time for yourself. You need to be critical with yourself. You need not to be delusional, but you also need to like yourself. And in that moment, when you wake up, which I can't imagine waking up as you and being like, I feel like a loser, but everybody does, you're right, have those moments. Walk me through your process of like, okay, Dan, snap out of it. 
Balzac, who is a, a very famous French writer of the 19th century, he said something that was wonderful. When you doubt your power, you give power to your doubts. You say that in front of the mirror and you understand what I'm talking about. And I'm going to tell you a story that my team has no idea I'm about to tell you. When I was in high school, my mom went to a lecture that you gave and I was a bratty teenager, she would like to say. I, I don't think I was. And she, I think you were signing a book afterwards. And she went up to you and said, I was such a big fan. And could you call me and tell me to be nice to my mom? Oh, no, really? And you did. You were standing with my mom, called me from your cell phone. And you said, Carly, I'm sitting with your mom. She's very nice. Be nice to her. And I have the voicemail saved on my phone somewhere, but I saved the number because I was like, huh, never know if I'm going to need DVF's number one day. Flash forward to I started the skim when I was in my late 20s. And Danielle, my co-founder, and I were sitting. We're like, how do we get this in front of people? And you were one of the people we wanted to meet. And I said, I think I have her cell phone number. Oh, no. I called you. And I'll never forget, Danielle and I are sitting on the couch. And I called you. And you picked up your cell phone. And I froze. And I was like, oh, my God. Hi, hi. uh, This is Carly. My mom met you 10 years ago. and, And like, I don't even know what I said. And you just said, I don't understand. Email me. And I, and you gave me your email address and I emailed you and you responded and sent me to someone on your team to meet. And then flash forward a few years later, we actually did meet in person. And, and I remember what you told me when we met was that every morning you wake up very early and you send out one or two emails. And I want you to tell our audience what those one or two emails are about, because I think it's a good explanation of why you gave me even the time of day. First of all, I love that story. So I want you to, I mean, we have to, to record that. I want that in my archive. It's a wonderful story. It is true that what I realized as I became more successful and more, you know, I spoke more in public and everything, I realized that I have a voice. Right. So when you realize that you have a voice, it's a big, it's a, it's a real privilege because you could really use that voice to do all good. Right. So now that I am at the sunset of my life, if I'm lucky because I'm an older woman, my major, my major focus is how can I have a maximum impact using my voice, my connections, my experience, my knowledge, my resources in order, in order to help other women to be the women they want to be. Okay. To connect is uh, when I, I started to do the in-charge movement. It is still at the very beginning. I'm still drafting it. But when I started, you know, and being the in-charge movement of someone who was working with me at the time, say, well, if you have a movement and a mission statement, you have to have micro steps. So I say, oh, micro steps. Yes, that sounds great. Connect is the first one. What does it mean? It means using your voice, using whatever power you have, whatever connections you have in order to help others, right? So I love technology. I'm one of those people that I love technology. 
My iPad is my best friend. I have absolutely no shame of saying it because through the, the technology, I have access to everything. I can read anything. I can learn anything and, and all kinds of very, very clever young women like you have created communities and done all these incredible things. So with the technology, what I can really do is connect people, right? Connect people. So every morning amongst my first emails, I will pick at least two or three emails that don't benefit me at all. But I will try to make one miracle happen every day. And that miracle is about connection. Because I have a lot of people that I know. I have a good reputation because I've been a good person in my life. I know how to reach people and I know they will pay attention to what I say. So this is a huge power that I can actually help to benefit others. I want to talk about approaching challenges in business. Obviously, being in business for decades, it's amazing that DVF is still as iconic as it is. But of course, like 2020 has been a difficult year for every business and and all of us in all different ways. And it's exposed a lot of challenges for your company. You've talked about reinvention and how you're always reinventing yourself. And it sounds like you're reinventing the business in many ways. So I had different generation, right? I started at 24 and I lived the American dream. Wow, huge success so fast. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't whatever, whatever. And then I started licensing and then I ended up selling it. I went back to Europe. And in in any case, to make a story short, the people who had my name destroyed it, right? So 20 years ago, I started again, right? I started again with a bunch of young girls and we started again and again, we were successful and we expanded that. First generation, I call American dream. Second generation is comeback kid. And so in 2014, when I was celebrating the 40th anniversary of the wrap dress, I thought, okay, well, now it's time for the legacy. And so I looked for shortcuts, or I looked for people who I thought knew better than I did. And this man came in and he expanded too fast, too much, too cheap, too whatever, and it wasn't right. And he made me lose a lot of money. Okay, a lot of money. So the last few years, my business was suffering. The business was suffering because we expanded too much and so on. But it was getting better already. But so when COVID happened, and all of a sudden, what do you mean? The entire world has stopped? How could that be? I mean, then I just said, wow. I I, I thought I would, I don't want to say take advantage because take advantage of the bad thing is not good. But this is the opportunity for me to just figure out since the world is stopped, I need that stop to reevaluate everything, to go back to the core, to do things right. And that's what I did. And I think, I think that 2020 may end up being the most productive year of my life. I stayed still. I moved this, I had to revalidate everything. I could have sold the company, but they would have owned everything, the name, the archives, the library of prints, the, the bank of colors. I couldn't let that happen. 
you know, it's interesting when I think about the longevity of, of the brand, the fact that it has your name on it, the fact that your granddaughter, TVF, is now, you know, working so closely with you on it. Do you think about the brand as a family business? Yes, it's completely, it's owned by the family. Uh, it is personal. It is me. It is my legacy, my heritage. And because I was so associated with everything, because I put myself in the front always, it is a very personal thing. And and that's why I had to go back, you know, no more licenses. Go back to the core. And that's when I started to do the inventory of what we have, you know, 15,000 prints, all these color, all the silhouettes, iconic silhouettes that has still surviving. And now all of a sudden I have a very young team. I am the old thing, right? The founder, this, this, the story and so on. I'm putting everything in this vault and I have a young team. Everyone is really young. The woman who is now running it she's 31 and all the designers are young and it's such a wonderful thing to see an established brand a brand that has you know catered to so many generations over the years but being seen uh, through the eyes of young people and technology because clearly technology and the digital is going to be very important so you just watch in the next few months how our rebirth will be. Today, you just happen to find me in a very exciting mood. Everyone has challenging moments in their career. And when you talk about owning it and you talk about your owning your independence and you talk about the first relationship you have to have is with yourself, how do you leverage all of that to give somebody advice around how to navigate the challenging moments they might have in their career? First of all, Everyone has a brand. Your life is a brand, okay? So your life is a brand and you can design your brand. You can design your life. Listen, we don't have control of everything, clearly not. I mean, terrible things happen and all of that, but you never lose your character, right? Remember that, your character. You could lose your health, your wealth, your beauty, your family, your everything, your freedom, but you never lose your character. Your character is the little house inside yourself, your shelter. And it's, it's even under torture, you could look at, the, at, at your torture in the eyes and you keep your character. That you have control of. It's the only thing you have control of. So remember that. I, I think that's a perfect way to, to go into our, our next and last segment, the lightning round. This is going to be rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. Ready? Are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm a morning person. Last TV show you streamed or binge watched? Call my agent. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a good cook? No, not really. I mean, I, I used to cook for my children. I don't cook anymore, but I appreciate a good cook. Worst professional mistake you've made? Hiring the wrong people. <laughs> Favorite memory from Studio 54? The entrance. Studio 54 was all about the entrance. First of all, you had to wait to get in because, you, you know, it was a queue and this and that. And then you went in and there was the disco music and there was this long corridor with mirrors on both sides. And you, I was wearing my cowboy boots and I just felt like, you know. And so... What I remember the most about Studio 54 is the entrance. How do you unwind? I go for a walk. All right. What is your shameless plug? 
my book, Own It, The Secret to Life. DBF, what an honor to sit down with you and congratulations on everything. You're so sweet. Will you tell your mom? I will tell my mom. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 